Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Well, uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 5. And uh, what what my wife Deborah did there, uh, we've been doing that for 30 years. She's at home. Uh, those that don't know, we're, we're, we got transplanted here. Uh, from Los Angeles, or the city of Downey, if if there's anybody that's been out out that way, and uh, how many has been to California? Let me see. Here. <laughs> how many's glad you're not there now? Come on. Uh, anyway, uh, we we need to talk. Uh, so for 36 years, we pastored the same church in the city of Downey. Uh, started in our garage, left uh, left a, a church that's blessed to the Lord. The uh, name of the church is Desert Rain, R-E-I-G-N, like the King's Rain, and uh, our, we'll always love it. It's, it's, it's our life, but now we're here, and uh, a lot of you don't know, but God just kind of supernaturally put us next door to Pastor Tom. Uh, we were coming to this church. We bought the house before we found this church. We're going to the church, start mowing grass, run into the pastor of the church. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so now I can't even skip church in retirement without getting... Without getting caught, you know. But he's got to knock off the big uh, parties over there too or else I'll tell on him. We're going to, uh, I believe God's about to do some really big things in this place. How many trust the Lord? I, you know, I, uh, I have to be careful because this is not my house. Uh, let me say it this way. Whatever I say, everything that I say is subject to Pastor Tom if he can straighten it all out next week, amen. Um, but there's way too many empty seats in this house. Come on. And I, I want to see the, the Lord do something. I, I tell you, I spent many years of my life thinking that God could never use me. And there's people right here today who you think you have no gifts, that God can't use you, but I got news for you. Before this day is over, you're going to know that God can use you. Amen. How many know you are the ministers? We are the administers. Yeah, I didn't get an amen out of that. I think I said this last time, but you know, I got deep inferiorities. And if you don't amen me, I panic. And when I panic, I just go back to the beginning of the outline and I start over. So we will be in here till the rapture. If I don't hear somebody say something, all right? Amen. Amen. Or you can throw money too. I'm open to that. Uh, And I I want to say again, uh, thanks. uh, uh, By way of explanation, uh, my wife uh, has done this for 35 years where she comes. you You know, the people at home know you better than anybody else, right? We can all look good at church for two hours, right? <laughs> no, no, no. They, out there, they do that. They look good at, you know, but, but the people at home know you. My wife knows me better than any of you know me. And uh, so that helps me keep things in alignment. Amen. Uh, she she uh, helps me stay straight. Uh, in fact, she helps me, uh, she, she keeps me Broke? No, <laughs> no. She, she, she keeps me living right. I, I, you know, I, I remember one time I preached. I thought it was. Uh, I thought I did really good, man. I was like hot, you know. 
And we were riding home from church, and I said, you know, I just kind of fishing out a compliment. I said, well, Deb, what'd you think of the message today? And she said, well, mm, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? You're the pastor's wife. What? And she said, well, I wasn't really listening. <laughs> I said, you got to be kidding me. Why weren't you listening? She said, well, I know how you really live at home, you know. So, so uh, that's when I started bringing her up here, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, and we've been married uh, 47 years, happily married 27. You'll have to figure out if the bad 20 was the first 20. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, um, in, in uh, Luke chapter five, I want to talk to you, uh, I'm titled the message, A Friend Like That, A Friend Like That. And uh, in Luke chapter five, I want to read a, uh, uh, probably about mm, nine, nine verses or so. They tell you in Bible, in, uh, Bible college not to read long passages, but this is uh, not a parable. This is an event that took place. And, and let me just say this, Christianity is, is literally just about redemption. It, it is restoring the, that which was lost back to, to, to the Lord, amen, and back to the kingdom of God. And what we're involved in here, you guys, is about heaven, and it's about heaven, uh, hell. It's about eternity. It's where will people that we come in contact with on a daily basis where will they spend eternity? Where will we spend eternity? And, and there's some benefits to worshiping and serving the Lord in, in this life, but the real graduation will come on later when we go to the next life as well. Um, uh, but how many of us here today would say, I, I'm planning on going to heaven. Can I see your hand? How many are planning on going? How many would also agree that you want to take as many with you as possible? Come on. Uh, amen. And uh, this, uh, one back there looked like that was a new idea. But anyway, and uh, people, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and uh, we live in a sales-hardened society today when you start talking to people uh, that, are, that you don't, have never been introduced to. Sometimes there's some, some uh, interference that needs to be uh, uh, cleared out of the way for us to have an impact with our witness. And uh, so I, I wanna to talk to you about being a friend and a, uh, being a friend like that, but let me give you a nugget. Relationships, and you may wanna write this down if you're making notes. Uh, relationships are the currency of the kingdom. You realize that the last thing Jesus did before he went to, uh, to get arrested in the garden and all that is have a meal with his guys? There's something about this that where we're going today about being a friend and making friends. And, and, and you know, uh, if people don't like you, they're not gonna listen to your gospel. Just say, wow, I never thought of that. Somebody, that, that's another way of saying amen, okay? Well, relationships are a currency of the kingdom. It, you know, we get things done with money. God gets things done through people, amen? Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. And when we build relationships, they give us a platform to deliver the information effectively about the kingdom of God. If they don't like you, they won't follow you to church, point blank. Somebody say amen. And, uh, and, and so sometimes the Lord, the Holy Spirit has to come along and stir up our passion and remind us that everybody's not ready yet to go to glory and that we, that we have... Uh, uh, an assignment from the Lord called the Great Commission, amen? 
And we want to take as many with us as we can. We want them to enjoy their life while they're here and avoid as many uh, landmines as possible that, you know, the devil sets landmines for everybody. And we want them to be able to bypass that. But this story, and we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 15 of chapter 5 of the book of Luke. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, Jerusalem and Judea. And, and I, you may want to underline this. We'll come back to it. And there was power in the house, or there was power there in the Lord, different uh, versions of it will say it different ways. Bottom line is, in that house, there was the power and the presence of Jesus. Somebody say amen to that. And, and every once in a while, the Lord has to stir up our, our passion and, 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 uh, for the lost, for the people that are not yet convinced or people that have not yet heard the gospel message or about how good God is, you know? What does Psalmist say? Taste and see the Lord is what? Yeah, but some of them have never tasted one slice of the bread of life. Can you say amen? And we forget that. And, and, and so we have to, uh, we have to, we, we have to be reinvigorated that this uh, is our, our calling that we have the gift of passing on the message. In the house is the presence of God, in verse 18, and behold men, and I like to think of four, but it doesn't say that, four men, but men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy. Now you can just say paralysis, the inability to walk or help himself. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, before Jesus, and when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went uh, up, up to the housetop and they led him down through the tiling uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Somebody say, I want a friend like that. Come on, say it. I'd like to have a friend like that. Can you say amen? And when he saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. Listen, it's all in here, you guys. This is the way life is. Uh, Begin to reason saying, who is this which speaks blasphemies and who gives sin, forgives sins, but God, only God can do that. And in verse 22, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and he said to them, what reason are you in your hearts? Is it easier to forgive sin or easier to say, rise up and walk? How many know religion stinks? A relationship is sweet and wonderful, but religion just sometimes turns my stomach. I'm on. And maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, but that pharisaical spirit, you know, Satan wants to get us off to a, a somewhere in that, you know. And that's what you see in this passage. But at any rate, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power upon earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, say unto thee, arise and take up your couch and go into uh, uh, your house. And immediately he rose up. Somebody say, I want a friend like that. Let me give you some um, five or six or 10 or 12, depends on how how long we're going to be in here today. Uh, Some observations uh, from this passage. The first one is found in verse 17 where it says, and the power of God was present in that house. 
You know what? The presence makes the difference. It's all about the presence. You know, we work at it. We, we sharpen our tools. We, we do everything we can to get ready for God to use us. But in the end, guess what? It's about, it's his presence that gets the job done. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy, you know, at your right hand, the psalmist said, there is pleasure evermore. In, in the presence of the Lord heals people by layers, almost like an onion. He just begins to take your childhood and rearrange the furniture of your life. And it's the presence that makes the difference and brings wellness and wholeness as was talked about by pastor a week or so ago. It's the presence that makes the difference. And we need to do, come on, I'll say we, all of us, there's, we need to do everything we can to make sure when we come here that the presence of God is here as well. Amen. That's not just these guys' job. Can you say amen? amen. How, how many know that we could start on Saturday getting ready for Sunday? Huh? We could get up a little earlier on Sunday morning and start getting ready to come into the house. I'm just telling you. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, um, it's so, there is such a thing as posturing to receive. Everybody say posturing. Po- you know what I mean? You know, I, we got this little dog. Now, when, we got this little shih tzu puppy. By the way, we had that dog a year for before Deb could say Shih Tzu. All right? <laughs> You'll figure that one out in a little bit. Yeah, everybody said, what kind of dog is that? It's a Shih Tzu. No, it ain't, Deb. It's a Shih Tzu. All right? That's what it is. You know, I didn't name it. They did. Uh, and when we got this dog, we said, you know, this dog, we're not going to feed this dog from the table. Anybody ever make that? This dog's not getting anything but dog food once a day, you know. Yeah, I lasted three or four months. And we got this dog trained now, and she knows how to posture. She doesn't make a lot of noise, but when we're eating, she'll be down there in between us looking up at the table. You know what she's saying? She says, as anything drops out of that table... By the way, Jesus fed his dogs that way. Didn't he tell that lady? He said, uh, (laughs) just a thought. Uh, He said, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table, right? I mean, it was common thinking to Jesus anyway. So here's Emmy. That's our dog. And she's looking up and, and she's basically saying, if anything falls from that table, I got it. I wonder what would happen in this house if two or 300 people started early in the week getting ready to make sure that the presence of God is here, that we've brought into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We've pushed out all the crap that Satan wants to put in your head and we're here postured now, Lord, speak to me, transform me, change me, uh, you know, whatever. It's all about the presence being in the house. The, power, the pastor is not the spiritual four-wheel drive pulling people out of the mud. Come on, say amen. Oh, that was weak. That was weak. It's not his job to be pumped and primed and ready to pull you up again today. You know, there are some people, if the joy of the Lord was their strength, somebody wheeled them in in a wheelbarrow. You know what I'm saying? 
They look like they got baptized in pickle juice or something. So I don't care if you feel like you came in second place in the hatchet fight. It's still our place to get ready to receive the presence of the Lord. And I, I can tell you, 40 years of doing this, there were times when I went to the house, I didn't even want to go. That's a confession. <laughs> I know that comes as a big disappointment to you guys. There are times, there were times where I want to pull the covers over my head and, and go into my little cave because the, the storms, in, you know, just, just all around. But it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Amen. And so, you know, to be postured, we come, we come pumped and primed and we're ready. Uh, and we begin early to get, get our hearts and minds ready. And we come ready to glean from the word of God. The spirit of the Lord was in the house to heal. That's the point. And I think you got it. And uh, you say, well, maybe I don't feel like, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel, you know, who cares what you feel? How many know fake joy is better than sincere misery? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Come on. <laughs> Amen. And, and it ain't about me anyway. It's about them. It's about you. It's about others. And so we come not only ready to be blessed, but we come ready to be a blessing. Come on. And well, we're looking around the sanctuary before, during, and after the who can I lift? Somebody say amen. Y'all scaring me. Who can I lift? God sent me into this house today to be a blessing and strength to somebody. Lord, flow through me and touch somebody today. The pastor cannot do it by himself. Second observation, verse 18. It says, they brought a man who was paralyzed or sick. Couldn't, couldn't walk. Sometimes sick people need to be carried. So I just want to hang around fun people. Well, that's good, but you might want to look and see who Jesus picked out to hang around. Huh? How many know that my wellness can handle their sickness? How many know spiritual maturity can handle spiritual blindness or spiritual immaturity? You know, look at Jesus could handle tax collectors. You know, he chose Peter to be one of the, the 12. Has anybody ever studied Peter? You know, Peter, Peter's the loudmouth. You know, Peter said more than all the other 12 put together in scripture. And everything that he said was wrong except for Matthew 16. It was, a, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He got that one right. But there's a few verses later, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou severest not the things that be of God. And Peter's like, what? Peter was the guy when you ask a question, he's, ooh, 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 me. And Jesus chose him. He didn't intimidate Jesus. He wasn't looking at Peter and saying, you're toxic. How many know that's the new word these days? He's toxic. You got sons of Zebedee fighting over who's going to be the, you know, get the prime position in the kingdom. And, you know, he, he tax collectors. The scripture says in, in uh, I think that's the uh, same up in verse two, I think. It says that they got mad at Jesus because he sat and ate with sinners. Association. But cr crippled people sometimes need some help. People who cannot walk, who have paralysis, who are sick, they may need some friends 
that, that give a hoot. Y'all say that back here? That somebody that gives a hoot, you look at them, you think, man, they're messed up. They're a drug addict, alcoholic, prostitute, just a bad guy or bad whatever. And I don't want to associate with them. Listen, uh, the greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. You know, we're so afraid of people's sickness. I wonder when we're going to get the revelation that if we're well, maybe we could go hug somebody and our wellness would jump off on their sickness. It could happen. Could happen. Amen. And so here they, they, they brought him, the sick man, uh, to Jesus. A spiritually healthy man can handle the brokenness of others. Yes. Another third observation is found in verse 18 and 19. They sought for a means to get him in. Oh, we could spend all day on that one, you guys. Creativity in those divine appointments that God sends into our life. My, my neighbor is a, a sponsored fisherman. He, you know, he's got those, those, what do you call them, sponsors all over his boat and his his truck and stuff. And, and I talked to him, you know, I'm from LA. We, you know, we, our rivers are concrete. They didn't have, <laughs> have water. I don't know if you've ever seen the Los Angeles river. It's concrete. It's just concrete. That's where the uh, homeless live. You know, uh, there's no water in there. We don't fish in LA. You know, well, we go out, you have to go to somebody's backyard and fish out of their little koi pond. So I know nothing about fishing, but my neighbor is a, you know what? He knows how, he knows what bait to use, when and where and what he's doing. Got any fishermen in the house here today? Yeah, you know, you, you know that I'm going to use this lure. I'm going to use this kind of bait. This is, we're going to fish off the bottom. We're going to fish off the top. We're going to fly. We're going to, whatever we're going to do, because I am a professional fisherman and I intend to catch some fish today. And listen, I think the Lord expects us to be as wise as the world and use the creativity that God has given us on how to reach people for Jesus. Oh, I guess we lost you now, huh? So he was, so it says they sought for a way to get him in and there are obstructions in the way. There are, and there will always be those people that you're trying to win to the Lord. Guess what? Satan's going to make sure he, you know, they're going to promise to go to church with you. And then their car is going to break down. Or somebody, they're going to get a phone call. Satan will do everything he can to prevent it. There will be obstructions to those that we're trying to bring into the presence of the Lord. And let me just stop right here, push the pause button and say it this way. Something supernatural happens when you get an unsaved person into a sovereign move of God's presence. Oh gosh, I was expecting the crowd to go wild right there. Listen, something, I know you can witness out in the, in the house or in the street, but listen, you get an unsaved person in the presence of a move of God, something starts something just starts there's something about the manifested presence of God that they have to accept it or reject it or at least explore into it and you say amen and when we try to bring them into the presence of the Lord Satan is going to put the crowd in the way you can bet your bottom dollar on it and so it says that they didn't quit there they gave a little extra push 
We have to find a way to get this message to those that are lost. If we don't, guess what? Our Bible says that they are lost and they will die in their sins. It's just the reality of it. There's only one way to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I know that a lot of people don't want to hear that anymore. But that's that other church, not in this church, right? (laughs) And so it says that they sought for a way to get him into the presence of the Lord. There were obstructions there. And so they used a little creativity and they got up there and they tore open the roof, got him down in front of the, uh, of the, of the master. And uh, I want to say this again, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And I want to tell you, when you start carrying a sick person, they know you care for them. Yes, they know. You're giving them your time when no one else would have given them the time of day. But it says, when they could not find a way, they persevered. I like, for 50 years, uh, Avis Rent-A-Car, everybody familiar with Avis? Now, they just recently changed this, but for over 50 years, the the slogan or the model of Avis Rent-A-Car is, we try harder. And I always like that because uh, I think we should try harder at everything that we do. How many know that the Lord's name is on what we do? We should do it with the best of our ability. We should do it with excellence. Come on. We should work hard at our craft so we, we, we bring glory and honor to God. I don't know anybody that gets a, a lot of joy out of being a flop. Amen. If you meet somebody say, hey, what's your dream? What's your vision? Oh, I just want to be a big failure. Now, there's a toxic person. You may want <laughs> But, you know, there's something inside of all of us that says, I was built to do something great for God. Do you live, do you live in this house, do you live with a sense that there's something bigger and better that God's got in my destiny? That he has shaped and named and formed me for a purpose. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, so the, uh, you know, Avis, they were second place and some guy spoke up and said, well, we need to try harder. For 50 years, that became the, the uh, motivation of Avis Rent-A-Car. Probably still should be. But so their slogan in their commercials is we try harder. Avis, we try harder. I, I, I wish the body of Christ sometimes would pick that up and say, you know what? They told me no, but I'm going to go back, find a creative way, a pleasant way, and I'm going to try a little harder. We're going to get this guy into the presence of God one way or the other. We're going to slip him into the kingdom through the blood of Jesus Christ. So they, you know the story. They got up on the roof. They tore the shingles or tiles off the roof. And they got him to Jesus, and we need to get him to Jesus any way we can. I, I remember growing up, they would make fun of, yeah, you have a potluck and everybody shows up. I don't care. Have a potluck, whatever it takes. Uh, you cook hamburgers, I'll show up, and I already know Jesus. <laughs> I'm a little creative. How many know hospitality is a good thing? Can we just park there for a little bit? Hospitality is so important when you get over to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and he's naming the characteristics or qualities of a bishop or an elder or a pastor or whatever you want to call him. One of the things he says is that he must be a lover of hospitality. Now here's really a, a nugget. If you take that scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 3, I don't remember the exact verse, but if you go over to the living Bible that's in a kind of plain English, 
it says it this way. He must enjoy having people in his home. Hospitality. You know, every sales force in America most likely has a, has a, uh, a budget for entertaining the clients. You say, well, where's he going with this? We need to entertain the clients, you guys. We are the salesmen. Christianity is one generation from annihilation at any time. It always has to be bought and received for the next generation. And it's our opportunity and privilege to pass it on to those. Amen? And so, you know, they didn't stop with, uh, well, there's a crowd and he's just a cripple anyway and, you know, we're busy. And No, they got up on the roof, they tore open a hole, they lowered him down in front of Jesus when they could not, you know, perseverance. You know, know, uh, the difference between winners and losers is just a little extra push. Yeah, y'all forgot how to say amen or you just totally don't care. But... You know, you know, sometimes the, the second play, sometimes the winner versus the uh, he ran two guy is so, so close. They have to have a high speed camera to take a picture to see who's first and who's second. Just a little extra push made all the difference. This guy gets his picture on the Wheaties box and this guy fades into oblivion. One pushed a little bit harder than you. I don't mean being belligerent. I don't mean, uh, you know, thumping them over the head with a 10-pound Bible. I, I mean using pleasant creativity to find a way to build a bridge, to be able to have the privilege to say some things that they weren't asking you to say in the first place. And hospitality is a good tool that we need to pick up and use. I believe that God is going to use hospitality to fill these empty seats. Amen. 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 Hospitality. Fellow shaping. (laughs) Food. When I I grew up in Pentecost, you know, definition of fellowship is a chicken leg in each hand. And and my mom says I used to put meatloaf in my pocket. I don't know. I, I, I think she made that up, but... If it'll get somebody in the kingdom, I'll put meatloaf in my pocket. Amen. But fellowship, building a bridge of connectivity. Perseverance. They didn't stop with, well, you know, it's inconvenient. Let me give you a nugget, okay? Y'all write this down. Uh, Only that which is above the norm speaks. I'll say it again, only that which is above the norm that speaks. Now, I'm not criticizing anything or anybody, but it's pretty much expected if I go to a new church, there's going to be someone at the door that says, hey, we're glad you're here. How many know there's a difference between being a friendly church and a church full of friends? Huh? And I expect to be meted at the door with the bulletin. But I want to tell you, if somebody wants to know my story, if they want to stand around for a minute and get to know who I am, if they want to pray with me about something, if, if they do anything above the norm, that's the part that speaks to me. So that should be our objective. Can you say amen? That I don't want to be average. I want to be above average. You know, it takes so little, and this will help you at work too, by the way. It takes so little to be above average. Yes, come on. I could spend all day there. 
anyway. So we use hospitality, we build friends instead of just being friendly. It's easy to be friendly for five minutes. It takes a little bit more commitment to be their friend and follow through, get them up on the roof, dig a hole, put them down, face the criticism and all the other threats that would go with that gesture. But um, businesses understand it. You know, they, they give their sales force a budget. You go build friends. And when you, when you finish building a rapport with them, then give them the ask. You know, ask them for the sale. The last thing Jesus did, I said it already, but the last thing he did before he left this, before he went into the garden was he had a meal with his guys. I, I don't know if I would have done that. If, you, if you're threatening me with death and crucifixion and all that stuff, I think, I don't know if I'd be wanting to have dinner. Amen. I probably lose my appetite, but Jesus saw that he needed to sit with them one more time before he uh, shifted gears. Can you say amen? So, uh, over in uh, Luke, Luke chapter 15, there's a parable. Jesus gives a parable. We'll, we'll just, you can turn there if you want, but we're just going to kind of make reference to it. And, and in this parable, Luke chapter 15, there, Jesus rapid fire. Now, as far as I know, it's the only place ever. But rapid fire, Jesus gives three um, parables. You know, it's the lost uh, sheep, and then it's the lost coin, and then it's the lost son, the, you know, the prodigal son. It's like, boom, one right after another. That You might say that this is the chapter where Jesus address, addresses lost things, things that are lost. But rapid fire, you know, and, and in, that, in those parables, they, they, they all had some things in common. All three of them had something that was lost. And the second thing that the parables had is they had someone in, in, uh, that cared deeply for that which was lost. So you, 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 are you tracking with me? Uh, and so in each one of these stories, yeah, there's a coin loss, there's a sheep loss, there's a sun over the horizon. He's gone, he's in trouble. But he didn't stop there. In every one of those parables, there was also a character in there that cared very deeply for that which was lost. And the third thing you find is that uh, each one of these in these parables, that, they, that person searched diligently. Everybody say diligently. They searched diligently. They made an all-out search for that which was lost. This is not a punishment. It's not a task. It's a privilege. Amen. The next, uh, 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 but you know, by the way, there is a fourth thing, and that is that once that which was lost was found in these three parables, there was a great rejoicing in the house. There, there's nothing, I'm going to say this, and you can write this down, there is nothing that feels as good as being used of God. I have sons and daughters and people um, that, that, you know, that we've influenced into the kingdom over the years. Those guys mean more to me than a brand new Mercedes convertible. Can you say amen? How many know when you get to the end of your life, if you get to lay your head down and you get a little time to reflect, you're not going to be telling everybody about that Lexus you bought back in 2000. Come on, right? You're going to talk about the relational stuff, the people that, that were so important in your life. In all three of these parables of lost things, one of the common denominators is someone searched diligently, and when they found it, the, the last common denominator is everybody rejoiced because it feels so good to be used of God. 
So they carried a man who could not walk. I find in my life that I run into people who, quote, cannot walk. They're crippled. Maybe they're braggers. Maybe they're liars. Maybe they're a thief. Maybe they have, they have, they're a fornicator. Whatever it is that is uh, the parasites that has, has uh, you know, latched onto their life, they're crippled. They can't walk straight. They can't walk right yet. They're not, maybe they're not even that much fun to be around. I remember I worked in the secular world. I, <laughs> I'm new here. I'm in trouble now. But anyway, uh, you get what you pay for. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. <laughs> when I see a crowd like this, I want to show you. I either want to take up an offering or show you pictures of my grandbaby. But anyway, um, where was I? Somebody help me out. Was when I was in the world, I didn't know what to do when they told me a, dirt, a dirty joke that was actually funny. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you can think about that for a little bit. Do you laugh at it or do you, you know, it, I haven't figured it out. When you do, come and tell me, okay? <laughs> but, they're, you know, they're crippled. God expects sinners to sin. That's just the way they are. And, and, you know, if we leave them alone long enough, Satan will paint them into a corner as time goes by where, you know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? And how many know there's more than one way to die? You can die financially, relationally, psychologically, mentally. Uh, there's a lot of ways to die before you finally pull the plug and go off to your destiny. But the wages, whatever sin touches, it kills and so if we leave them alone long enough, Satan will hammer and work till you see them at 60 or 40 or 50 or whatever, and they're over here, they got no teeth, they got no driver's license, they got no job, they got no anything because Satan has spent a lifetime destroying them. That's who we're after today. People who are crippled, people who can't get into the presence of God on their own. They don't know how to walk right. They, they, they will... They, sometimes they just mess up uh, our meeting. You know, Jesus is in there. He's, uh, he's teaching to the Pharisees and, and all of that. And then here comes this disruption out of, out of the ceiling. Here's a nugget, you guys. You might want to write this down. Our spiritual maturity sometimes can be measured by how we handle these dis disruptions. The, the, you know, we had our day all planned out. How many know it's healthy to be to train ourselves to walk slowly through the crowd? And when you're in a hurry, you don't see their pain. But when we go slow, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will say, hey, you know, did you hear that? Did you see that? They, they need a touch from you. And when you begin to make deposits into their life, you open the door to say the bigger, heavier stuff. And so they, they're... Uh, I see some observations here about carrying a, a, a person who can't walk on their own. Uh, uh, I think we can measure Christianity at times as how do we handle those who can't walk right? Do we ignore them? Jesus ate with sinners. I'm going to come back to that, I think, in a second. Uh, how do we handle the inconveniences of life? How many has ever been cut off on the freeway? Yeah, huh? <laughs> And, 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 and uh, boy, you're ready, man. You can flip them off. I know y'all don't do that. That's the other church across town. They do that. 
but how do we handle the interruptions? How do we handle the uh, inconveniences? And, you know, I had my plans for the day, but here comes a guy through the roof that needs a touch. Sometimes our Christianity can, can be uh, evaluated by how we handle the setbacks in life. The setbacks. We handle those with determination. We don't quit. How many know it's a good thing to not quit, just to never quit quitting? Amen. Just keep on going, keep on going. If you've got a, a, a habit in your life, don't quit quitting. Just keep going. It'll, God will take care of it. Amen. How do we handle the loss of material things? Can you hear somebody yelling about their roof? Ah, my roof. You know? How do we, it, it, how many know that the, the non-tangible is much more valuable than the tangible? And, 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 I, and I can hear the cynic right now. Yeah, I can hear the, 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 the critic or the stingy. You know, I, I wrote this down. The, the cynic is, it's all fake. You know, he ain't really healing them. The, the critic, that's not scriptural. You see that up here in, in the verse 21. Here's a guy getting healed, and all they can just do is discuss religion. When the Bible says a pure religion undefiled is this, to visit the sick and minister to the widows. That's how you demonstrate your, your, your salvation. The, the critic says that's not scriptural. The stingy man, he says that, they're just after your money. Have you ever heard that one? <laughs> Liz, I spent 40, 40 years trying to pastor a house in Los Angeles where it costs millions, millions. And, and uh, I can tell you, it ain't about being stingy. It's about paying the electric bill. That was a great place. I know I'm running out of time, but you, you can say amen one more time, okay? The doubting man, he said, it probably won't work. The fearful man, maybe I better not. You know, the selfish man, who's going to fix this roof? It's all about me. You know, but Jesus, take up your bed and walk. Go home. You're healed. That's really all that mattered in that room that day. Amen. So, if you had a piece of paper right now and a pen, and maybe you do, like I did this, uh, if, uh, if you got an electronic Bible, you can't do this, but in the front of every Bible, there's usually a blank page. And I, I have people turn to that page and write down the names of two friends like these guys. You might do that right now. Just grab a piece of paper or even in your head, you can kind of say, now who are the names of the two guys or two people that are friends like that? And you're writing those down right now. And then I want to kind of wind this down by asking you this. Who just wrote your name? on their piece of paper. I want a friend like that. Maybe you're thinking right now, man, I would like to have a friend like that. But you know what? God wants us to think this way. I want to be a friend like that. Amen. I wish I had a friend like that. Or Father, help me to be a friend like that. Our prayer this morning when we wind this up is give me the heart of Jesus. Give me the heart of Jesus. Because that's really what these guys had when they climbed up on that roof with the crippled guy. They had the heart of Jesus. You know what Jesus said about these guys? He called it an act of faith. He, 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 he said this is their faith with gloves on. 
I spent the first 20 years of my life with insecurities and inferiorities and loneliness. I had years where I thought I'd never get married because no one's gonna ever love me. I know what it feels like to be lonely. I also want to tell you, I know what it feels like to be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit and to feel every day of my life that I am loved by the Father who gave the highest price. You know, how many know the thing purchased, the price paid for it dictates its value? And God didn't just love Don Metcalf and flip a quarter. He loved me to the point that he gave the most valuable possession he had for my salvation. And he wasn't just wanting to get me to heaven. He wanted me to enjoy the ride on the way up. Yes. And, and, and I have through my relationship with the Father. But I stand here today rem reminding all of us that everybody's not there yet. Some people are still broken inside. They've experienced rejection in painful ways that we can't even relate. Years ago, my youngest daughter went to the dog pound to get a dog. And she came home with the ugliest, meanest dog, little pup, you know, ugly, just ugly. I can never, you get ugly. And I said, Angela, why did you get that dog out of all the dogs? And she, this is what she said. She said, because I knew that no one else would ever rescue this dog. Still has that dog today. Dog's cute and well-trained now. But how many know that's the business that the Lord is in? Amen. When nobody else wanted me, God's, God's, while I was yet in my sins, he pursued me. I want to speak to the teenagers that might be listening online or in the room. If I was... I know what it's like to eat alone. I think Jesus did too. That's why he would sit with the sinners. But if I was in high school today, knowing what I know, I would get my tray and I would look around the room I could find the one that's over there somewhere sitting all by themselves and I am healthy enough inside to take my tray and go over and sit next to them and say I want to be your friend there's something about the way we're made that we have to be unlocked with an outsider's love before we're capable of loving others that's why you, it's the explanation you put a child in a, in a room and just feed them through a knot hole for they come out uh, uh, damaged, warped, incapable of, of normal, natural, emotional feelings and stuff. Because you have to be unlocked by someone else. And I'm going to tell you, God will use us. We are the body of Christ. Would you stand with me? And so if I was in high school today, I would go, I would find that person. And I want to give you a charge today, a challenge that maybe you're not in high school, but we can still take what we have and we can go find that person. 
because true Christianity gives us the ability to love the unlovable. Right? I want to say that again, and hopefully I'll get a hoorah out of this, but true Christianity gives us the ability to love the unlovable. Amen. Amen. And, and I believe that there is a passion in here to do that. And so I want to pray with you today. If you would just bow your head, I'm not going to have you come. I don't know how we're doing with time. If you had a clock, I wouldn't watch it anyway. But can't see that part. Okay, bow your heads. And I, I believe that the, the Lord is about to do good things in this house. He didn't give us a house with this many seats for no reason at all. And I think that it's safe to say that maybe we're coming up to the end of the spiritual pinata party. You know what I'm saying? Where we've just been swinging and swinging, we know that it's there. But Father God, we do this together. It's, it's not your job, it's not our job. It's all of us together incorporated in harmony and in sync with the work of the Holy Spirit in the city of Kodak, Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and all around. That you're gonna make this a lampstand church. It's not Pastor Tom's job or Pastor Brenda's job, it's our job. We are the ministers of this house. And Lord, we, th- we just, I wanna just declare today in Jesus' name that we are at the end of this spiritual pinata party and we're about to swing one more time and the goods are gonna flow in this direction. And you're gonna begin to add to this house as you see fit. But now in, a, in this room, I want to I want, uh, challenge you. And if you would, just to pray this, you can pray it out loud, you can pray it under your breath, I don't care how you do it, but Lord, make my life a miracle. Use me. Friend of mine wrote a song. If you can use anything, you can use me. Lord, use my life. Give me creativity. Give me courage. Give me passion. I want to be a friend like that. That I will go a little further. Do a little above average. That I will push a little harder. And that I will find a way with the help of the Holy Spirit to get others into your presence so that they may be healed. This is my prayer today, Father, all across this room. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in us and give us the heart of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.